Hey guys, Ryan here. Welcome to the Fierce Parenting Podcast. Today we have a special interview with our good friends, Scott and Kristen Kadersha. They have four boys, all of which are almost grown, and they're here to talk to us about how to respond better to our children in moments when uh, we'd rather respond in anger. So we, this was a really fun interview. I've spent lots of time with Scott, uh, and I've really appreciated the time they spent with us here today on the podcast. So we pray it blesses you, and uh, yeah, we'll see you on the other side. All right, fierce friends, we have a treat today. We actually have people I've actually spent time with in your house eating your food. Uh, yeah, this is Scott and Kristen Kadersha. They are an amazing, I'll say, power couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott has been a pastor uh, for many years. Scott, how long were you a pastor down in Dallas? And now you recently took on a new a new job. So tell us about that. But tell us about yourselves in general and uh, tell us about your boys and give us the intro, the full thing. You got it. Well, so good to be here with you, friends, and uh, grateful, honored, and great that uh, we get to do this together. We love getting to do stuff like this. So we've been married 20 years. Yeah, yep. we'll celebrate 21 wow. years in September of this year. Uh, and we have four boys who are 17, 17, 15, and 13. <laughs> so I didn't say that incorrectly. Yes, we have twins <laughs> who are extremely fraternal. They're about as different from one another as Kristen and I are different from each other. Uh, we live in Waco, Texas. We've been here at Harris Creek Baptist Church for two years. And I served on staff at Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas for 14 years prior to that. So we lived about 18 years in Dallas and we're newbies here in Waco. It's only been two years at COVID time. So it feels like, yeah, it feels like a lot shorter at some points and other times. It feels like we've been here forever. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. I remember when you made that transition, it was, it was a time of trepidation, as I recall, having the conversation with you of just trying to figure out the right decision, but also not knowing exactly where God would, would land you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was cool to see God work in that way. Um, so, we, so I found this article that you wrote it's on your blog, and I decided it'd be awesome to talk about it uh, with our, our parenting uh, viewers and listeners, because it's a concept that I think it resonates, but I, I just wanted to hear more, frankly. This is maybe a selfish interview, because I just wanted yeah. to hear more from, from, uh, from the author himself. And the, the title of the article is this, and I, I want to search for the title so people can find it. It's your, my, it says, my most consistent struggle as a parent. Okay. And then there's a big angry guy. <laughs> so immediately I thought, I thought, okay, he's going to talk about anger. Cause I feel like I get angry a lot as a, as a parent. Right. Um, and I've also married, uh, the, who, who we How dubbed. How dare the, you. <laughs> Selena calls herself the Hulk. Anyway, the Lord is working on me. Okay. No, I'm Hold kidding. Space, just, fruit. You know, we're all friends here. It's okay. Uh, and then you had this phrase that, that strikes me is this, uh, responding as they respond. And so, you had listed in another article that that's one of your big regrets as a dad is responding as they respond. And so that kind of, uh, uh, that's that spawn to use that word again, it spawned this article, seven better ways to respond. So you don't respond the way they respond. So help, help me understand what you mean by that responding the way they respond. Uh, and then we can talk through some of these points. Yeah. So, you know, this, this has been my biggest challenge as a parent, probably for all, 17 years of having kids. And so as a, as a, uh, when we had kids, twins who were, who were babies, one of them was colicky and cried and screamed all the time. I found my response when <laughs> our babies were babies was to cry and scream <laughs> a lot and kind of to match their behavior. And as they get older, 
And as toddlers, they start throwing things. When when they act that way, I find my response can be the same thing. Well, if you're going to throw your Legos, then I'm going to throw your Legos all over the room. And then if they get, as they get older, if they become rebellious in the way they communicate, then I'm going to match their communication. I'm going to you know, yell right back at them when they yell at me and, and kind of like the, hey, quit yelling. Mm-hmm. And, and they're yelling and I'm telling them to stop yelling oh, while I'm yell. yelling. <laughs> and then as they get older, when they become a little more mature and you would expect that that I would be more mature, well, I begin to match, continue to match their behavior. And so if they give me the silent treatment, then I give them the silent treatment. If they shut down, then I'm going to shut down. If they get defensive, I'm going to get even more defensive. Mm. And so it's just this really immature response. And the way I captured in the in the article is that instead of a, I'm now 48. Uh, Kristen's not 48. She's not I'm not going to say if she's older <laughs> or younger than me. Uh, but with, instead of acting for sure. like a 48 year old, I act like a 13 year old or a 10 year old or an eight year old or a 17 year old. And, and I should be, mm. you know, and I want to act like somebody who's who's a grown adult and a man and and a lover of his family and a lover of Jesus, and instead I just act like a like a little kid. And so, what, what would you add to that? Mm. Is that is that pretty accurate? I was going to ask you, Kristen, how how was your response to to that, or were you did you find yourself in the same place, and how did that affect you guys? Um, I think when our kids were younger, I found myself in the same place. Um, mm-hmm. I. I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think I was a little quicker to to realize that that was my mode of operation as well. And so I, under the Holy Spirit's assistance, I, I think I started to figure that out earlier and just con- a little bit more self-control or figuring out different ways to pull myself mm-hmm. out of that situation. Um, and I mm-hmm. think it took me a while to realize that that was what even though I figured it out for myself, it wasn't a conscious like, oh, this is what I'm doing. It was just like, oh, I, I need to stop doing what I'm doing. But then to, to realize, I, I think that Scott is just trying to, I mean, I think you just want to go toe to toe and see if you can kind of beat your kid, not beat, but you know, like I'm going to win um, and instead yeah. of kind of taking the high road. So, and, and the, I mean, this is one area that, um, mm-hmm. that we, we struggle in because, and this is, I think, you know, Scott's like in the article, like ask your spouse to help you. Well, I think we all know in marriage, there are things that there are times that we are open to our spouse's help. And then there are times in the midst of things that we're not nearly as receptive. And so we can kind of get at odds, you know, when, when we're like, Hey, let's walk away. We're, we're starting to, and, and I still have this tendency to go head to head with my kids as well, but um, just figuring out how to help each other. Hmm. So good. It's funny. Um, our youngest being two, almost she'll be three in October. Um, she's very impulsive. And so she will, uh, she'll just, I don't know. She'll grab or shout or take or yeah, she does whatever she feels like doing. She's just going to do the thing and you'll tell her, don't do that. And she'll look at you and do it anyway. And, uh, my dad, who's a psychologist has, has been for about 30 years. I just, I asked him, I said, well, how do, you, how do you deal with impulsive behavior? What do you do? And uh, he said, to contrast what you guys are saying, because there's a nuance here. He said, show her the effects of her actions, which to me is different than responding as they respond. Instead, there's a, there's a maturity level there. You're not doing it out of anger or out of your own sense of impulsiveness, right? You're doing it from a place of, I'm, I'm going to show you, show you, teach yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. So that's good. 
uh, one of the points that you had, uh, the first point is be aware of your patterns. And then this got, this caught my eye. It says, if you're not aware, ask your spouse, which Kristen, you just talked about that. <laughs> but you said, better yet, ask your kids what you do when you, uh, when you match their behavior. That's a bold <laughs> move, man. So how, how has that worked for you? <laughs> well, I'd say, I'd say first, you know, to Kristen's credit, she really does. This is not just like spouse speak to, to be her hype you know, be her hype man. <laughs> she really does uh, so much of a better job of, of being under controlled spirit and calming things down. You know, mm-hmm. like the harsh word stirs up anger, but a gentle word, t- you know, turns wrath away. And she does that so well of just, you know, of not being harsh, of being really gentle. And so I learned from her uh, what it looks like to, to respond better. And so I don't respond like a 13 year old, I can respond like a, like a grown adult. And so I'm really grateful that Kristen mm-hmm. does it well. She's not, she's not perfect. No, no you know, in, in any way, but, uh, uh, well, she's perfect in a lot. No, she's not, she, <laughs> we struggle and she struggles in, in lots of ways too, but I learn a lot from watching her yeah. with, with the kids. This is something that, you know, the older they get, the more mature they get is when this becomes an option to ask them, you know, hey, what do you see in me? And so, you know, asking my kids, they'll definitely tell me that that I struggle with escalating. And so I'll bring something from a level two, I make a big deal out of, out of nothing. And so, you know, they look at me the wrong way or, you know, do something very innocently because they're a teenage boy who lacks a frontal lobe at times. And and I, you know, and I respond <laughs> like it's World War Three and and so they'll tell me at times, hey, it seems like you make a big deal out of nothing. They're, that's because they're they're teenagers now who are mature and who have God's spirit in them and are, you know, are in a personal relationship with Jesus. And so I trust their input a lot more now than when they were younger, when you know they have no control whatsoever and they're acting like kids and I'm acting like a kid. But as your kids get older, They've got a, a voice and a. Uh, I don't always agree with them, but at least I want to give them the opportunity to speak into my mm-hmm. life and to sharpen me. They're part of God's provision in my life to help me help make me more like Jesus, you know. And I hope that we always play that role that we can. I can sharpen them and they can sharpen me. And uh, Kristen's word, mm-hmm. you know, is more important in my life than my kids. But my kids still have a say. Absolutely do. Hmm. So good. Yeah. Um, Kristen, you know, the article really well, it sounds like, but, uh, you, you guys talk about, uh, enlisting help from community and friends. And when Scott said that you, he started to trust his kids because they have a relationship with the Lord. Obviously you're not just letting anybody in your community or anybody in your friendship, uh, circle kind of speak into this situation or speak into how, but those that care about the things of God, mm-hmm. those that care about your heart and how the Lord is working, um, Maybe explain kind of that interaction as you've raised kids, uh, how you've allowed community and friends to kind of fill in that gap or how you've enlisted their help. Yeah. So we, when we were in Dallas, we were in a community group for 12 years, 10 years with the same group of people. Um, and so we, they knew our kids from very young, um, and they knew us. Some of them were our like backdoor neighbors. And so like literally if there was an argument in our house, there's a good chance that they knew it was going on. And so that kind of community and then the other four couples that, again, knew us on a level like they were in our lives, spiritually in our lives, um, knew our marriage issues, anything like that. And so 
whenever we, the two of us, would get to a point in parenting or disciplining or anything like that where we were kind of stuck, like we didn't know what was next or we had tried all kinds of things, um, a lot of times we would just say, hey, one, ask for prayer. But then if we got to a point where we're like, what what have you guys done? How would you see this in scripture? What things could you speak to in this? Um, some of those, Scott takes our boys away for um, their 13th birthday. And he has a lot of those guys write a note or do a video and just, again, like speaking into our boys' lives as they kind of mm-hmm. walk into manhood mm-hmm. and what godly characteristics they see in them and what they hope for them, what they wish they knew when they were that age. Um, and so community so has played cool. a huge part. And we, um, there are other people here, you know, like we're making friendships and figuring those things out. And um, a lot of times there's guys that Scott's on staff with who know Scott well and are getting to know our kids. And so we can ask those kind of people too. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be years and years. Yeah. That's That was just an added bonus for us where we were. Um, but I think you can find people that you trust that you could um, bounce ideas off of and seek godly wisdom from. Yeah. That seems, um, that's, that sounds incredible. And I think uh, it seems otherworldly to <laughs> people who haven't experienced it mm-hmm. to think that there's going to be other people in your life that have a stake in how your kids turn out, right? And and not just a stake because they're your friends and they don't want to, you know, but a stake because they're in some sense accountable to God. Because, right. you know, usually when you stand in front of a congregation and you say like, we're all going to raise this child okay, up in the yeah. encouragement and admonition of the Lord, and we're going to do it together, and we're going to rely on one another to do that. And um, that's just phenomenal. And um, there's no replacement for it. Can I, can um, I speak to that? Another, take that. Yes, please. 13-year-old, yes. our youngest, my baby, our baby, <laughs> on a one-on-one trip. We went to San Diego and got a couple of days together. And we always like, this is a big milestone. We talked about peer pressure and purity and you know, sex and pornography and just really, I want, we want our kids to learn primarily from the body of Christ, from us, from his word, not from their peers, not from television. And so we've been really intentional to get our kids away during this season of life. And Kristen mentioned the uh, the encouragement from other guys. And so I asked them three things. And so it's their youth leaders, our community and life groups, some other guys on staff who know our youngest who know Lincoln and said, you know, where do you see Jesus in Lincoln? Uh, What do you wish you knew when you were a 13 year old? And then what are some things that he specifically needs to watch out for? And so it was, there probably got 15 people who chimed in and either with a video or with a letter and to read those to him over this trip and to see the consistent themes that showed up of what our friends and our community and my coworkers and his leaders see in him that are the same things that we see in him, his, his kindness and his mm. uh, gentle spirit, his uh, loyalty and friendship. And then all of the mm. consistent themes of what they wish they knew when they were 13 about peer pressure and, and porn. And then, uh, and then for them to speak into the things that they see in Lincoln that kind of go, hey, this is tailored specifically to you. While you're incredible and kind and loyal, here's some things in, in you that you need to watch out for and be careful be careful of was such a such an amazing gift. What that does, it allows us to feel like we're not the only ones <laughs> raising this this young man, mm. that there are other people, like you just said, Ryan, who have a really 
vested interest in, in seeing him become more and more and more like Jesus Christ. And so it was a, a really unforgettable time away to be able to build our relationship and uh, and to speak life into him and to help him think rightly about some of the most important things in life that that we want we want the Lord and his people and his word and his spirit to speak into his life, not culture and not his somehow sometimes boneheaded friends. Like we don't want them to be the one to teach him. I love it. What a beautiful picture mm-hmm. of, of the body of Christ yeah. being the body of Christ, uh, yeah. in particular in this topic of, of parenting and seeing gaps in our parenting, going to them when we see gaps in our own parenting and then having them speak directly into the hearts and minds of our children. What an amazing thing. And those are all kind of external com- coming in. But then there's also this internal battle that's happening when you're talking about responding in a better way to your, to your children. And there's two points that I want to put together is one is take your thoughts captive, yeah. but also brainstorming a better response. Yeah. So yeah. you, you talked through a uh, second Corinthians 10, five, I'll just read it. Uh, we, de- we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's hard to do, man. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a lot easier said than done. Yeah. So how does that work when, uh, you know, when your two year old is, dumping over a bowl of Cheerios for the fifth time on purpose. Is that something, is that a time to take a thought captive or should I let it fly? Yeah. yeah what I want to do is grab the box of Cheerios and dump them on his head, right? That's like, that's my fleshly <laughs> desire and response. And, you know, so what, like the battle that I have fought. So I have, uh, I'll give you the, the fleshly worldly response and then what it looks like to take my thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ is I have, struggled with anger my whole life. And so I've never abused anyone. I've never beaten anyone up. I've never even been in a fight. But when my anger comes out, it comes out, you know, when I'm younger and watching games, I'm, I'm you know, kicking the furniture, I'm kicking a trash can, I'm yelling, I'm screaming. This is my, my battle and something that I've struggled with my entire life growing up was anger. And so if I car- carry that forward and my kids don't respond in the way that I want them to. If I rely on my fleshly response, I'm going to get angry. I'm going to throw things. I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to get angry with them and I'm going to yell and scream. And if I keep doing that, then I, then I start to speak into my head that this is my identity, that I am an angry person. And so an angry person is going to respond with anger. But when I think in the right way, when I respond as a follower of Jesus Christ, who is indwelt by his spirit, who is a Mm -hmm. brand new creation, the old has gone, the new has come, I no longer define myself as an angry person. I now define myself as someone who is loved by the Lord, who is redeemed, who is a new person, who still can get angry at times, but I no longer have to respond as an angry person. And so in those moments, mm. I, I just have to play that tape on repeat that I am a new creation, that I do not have to respond with anger, that I no longer have to match the response mm. of my child, that that I'm not a child anymore. And so I'm no longer going to act like a child. I'm going to act and respond like a grown adult. And so it's just you know, like meditating and memorizing scripture. Uh, and then I love that idea of like there's actually this physical thought process that goes through my head that when I hear, 
I'm going to demolish arguments and I'm going to take thoughts captive. It's like I'm taking a hammer and I'm and I'm whacking the truth, like the, the lie that comes in front of me. Like I'm going, that no longer is true. I'm demolishing that argument. And instead, I'm going to take captive this thought. I'm going to grab it. I'm going to take it away to the obedience of Christ. And I'm going to respond as a forgiven, redeemed follower of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Wow. Well, I love it. It's and so, Kristen, maybe you could speak to the the other side of that, which is the brainstorming, mm-hmm. a better response. Because oftentimes, brainstorming involves conversations between both of you, right? Yeah. So that that's not something that is intuitive to me as a parent, and probably to not many other parents. What does that brainstorming process look like? Obviously, you're just thinking through. Here's the bad, the thing that I'm demolishing. Now, how do I replace that with a better response? Well, how's that look for you guys? Um, Scott does a great job. Like when he's frustrated and, and can feel himself, you know, about to match a kid in, in a moment. Um, a lot of times he'll step away and I'll end up walking into the room or kind of <laughs> like, what's going on, you know? And, uh, and a lot of times we'll talk through like, Hey, what, what could we do different? How, you know, is this a repeat situation? A lot of times it's more about our kid, but also I think it helps just for us to think through like, okay, next time this happens or how do I resolve this? You know, even if it's, you know, we haven't matched wits with the kid, but, um, but okay, how do I now engage this kid without going back down the same argument or, you know, rebellious mm-hmm. pathway? And, and so we'll, you know, we'll throw around ideas, you know, just give him some space, give our child some space or Scott will go for a walk or go to the gym and then come back. And, um, you know, sometimes it's better to just, you know, boys with not much frontal lobe with a lot of hormones and a lot of just fighting through a lot of issues of their own. A lot of times they, they just need to be left alone. Um, and the conversation is better had later on. Um, and so, I think that's mostly what we'll do is in, you know, kind of in the moment. And there have been times where we've just sat down and said, okay, we're struggling with this situation with this child. How are we going to handle it? And the next time he does, you know, the next time he argues over what time it, to go to bed, um, you know, how are we going to handle that? And hmm. I think that's helped both of us to be a little bit more consistent and to approach it with just a really calm attitude. Like, you know, you're going to go to bed at 11 or you don't get to play Xbox tomorrow and just kind of giving really simple responses to things that normally would aggravate both of us um, and end up in an argument with that kid and just a lot of frustration for everybody. I think what Kristen does really well is, is reminding me in the moment of some of the stuff they're going through. Like she might know, Hey, you know, his friends, two of his friends are hanging out together and he got left out. Uh, he had a big test today. Uh, he just had a hard conversation with a girl that he really likes and has a crush on. Um, and so she does a great job of reminding me of what's going on. And so, you know, not to excuse their sinful behavior, but she helps fill me in on what's really going on in the full picture. And then said, hey, I think what would be more helpful than you, like, just picking on him and nagging him about it is if you would just go sit on the couch with him and watch an office of the episode, if you would go in the yard and just shoot some hoops for a minute, go take him for a drive somewhere. Like Kristen does a, a really great job of getting in their head and suggesting to me lovingly that this approach is not going to work. And, and instead get in their head, get in their world. And then here's a couple of things that might be a better way for you to respond right now. 
It's so good. It's, I think it's good for a good reminder, at least to us and to me, that you the brainstorming doesn't happen in the heat of the moment, right? These are these are premeditated decisions of okay, when this happens, this is how, and it equips you as the parent to not get so emotionally charged as well and to respond as they, Mm because you already know what your response is. I think half of my own shortcomings are just, I don't know how I'm going to respond and and I don't know what to do in that moment. So I feel ill-equipped and then I feel frustrated and then I'm angry and then I just kind of spirals and spirals. So taking that time when things are good to recognize um, how we can respond better. Um, I also love I love hearing about how like we as moms can add texture to kind of maybe what is happening uh, in the heart and mind of the child, you know, and, and I don't, you know, and I think I, Ryan is really good at saying, okay, I understand that, but I also need to call her up to this level. Mm -hmm. Like this is, you know, there's yes. Like, but that's what we say. We just say, okay, yeah, just take her on a walk. Like you, you, she just needs some touch time. She just needs some connection, just you and her or all of that. And I was just, it's just timely wisdom always again. And, um, yeah, yeah, just good to hear. Speaking of brainstorming, um, what are the best discipline ideas that you have? We've done sentences. We can write sentences. I had the girls running laps around, uh, the yard (laughs) the other day. Well, they needed to burn some energy too. So we try to, we're always looking for creative ways to, to, to make a point, I should say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Running laps is a great one. Yeah. Yes. It, you know, it's interesting that especially for boys, somebody just asked us that recently about discipline and it, we're so, so far into that season of life of the, like, cause our kids are older now. And so discipline has changed quite a bit in the way that we discipline our kids as teenagers, as opposed to when they were littles. And so, you know, the one that, that I think collectively we found most effective is uh, is to take away the thing that they like the most or want the most. And so if it's their, you know, their phone when they're a teenager, if it's Xbox time, if it's even, you know, uh, going to a friend's house or really looking forward to going to spend time with a friend is we've got to take away lovingly the thing that they want or love or need the most. You know, maybe it's watching TV. So we've just, it's hard because every kid is different and what that thing is, but just looking for the, what they really treasure the most. And, and, Mm. you know, and and sometimes it's helpful because it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's had mixed (laughs) results may vary. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the stage of life we're in is there's not, um, I mean, we can give extra chores, but that frequently just results in more battle, not chores done. And so it really, we really have our kids at least. And I, and I agree with Scott, like, I think it's different for every kid. It's different for, even in our like disciplining days, we had one kid that you could hit, tap him on the wrist and he would burst into tears, cry and apologize. And another kid that you could spank and he would come at you with, give me more, give me more. And so you just really had to figure (laughs) out with each kid. And, um, you know, some of ours could care less if you took their phone, but others are like, there's no way, like, I can't, I can't exist without it. And so just figuring out for each one, what is uh, just going to kind of leave an impression, you know, you got to find their weakness. That's right. No, I love it. I love you guys. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. And I, I do want to say this at the end of the, the blog post, you say, pray, pray, and pray some more. And I think that's just a, 
an appropriate place to end because at the end of the day, like we're called to steward these little hearts. We're called to teach them, instruct them. But at the end of the day, God is in the heart changing business, not us. And I think that's really calibrating for parents because we, I mean, we take all for their entire lives. It's like they eat because we give them food to eat. They sleep because we give them a bed to sleep in. You know, they go to bed because we tell them to. And but like when it comes to getting like internalizing the truths of God, like that is God's work. And so we, we, uh, we, we plant the seeds, but only he makes them grow. So yeah. I just want to encourage the parents watching this, listening to this, that at the end of the day, it's going to come down to prayer over your children, prayer over your own heart so that you don't respond in the ways that your flesh would have you respond, mm-hmm. but in, in spirit led ways. And that's what produces the righteousness of God, right? Anger does not produce anger. Of man does yeah. not produce the righteousness right. of God. So again, Thank you, Scott and Kristen Kadersh. Thank you guys for joining us today. This has been a blessing to us, and I trust that it will bless many parents for years to come. So thank you. Ditto. Thank you. Thank you.